0: My mama always mama. said, always said, always life, said life, was life was life Life was, life was, life. Life was, life was not a box of and
1: chocolates. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, this is bonus feature of Life's Than a <laughs> Box of Chocolates, starring me, Larry Tate. A.K.A. Force of Gods. And across from me, across
2: from me, <laughs> yeah.
0: is the one and only loyalty. What's up? It's Ronnie. <laughs> Follow me on Instagram at Ronnie underscore media.
3: And to the left of me is the one and only internet.
1: <laughs> <laughs> What's up? It's Anthony. Follow me at uh, Anthony. I'm big on Instagram.
3: Oh, yeah. And who's who's on the phone speaking through? State your case, Penelope Pete.
4: <laughs> I right, already know what it is. <laughs> your boy Danny Yams, a.k.a. The White Shack, a.k.a. Penelope Pete, a.k.a. Larry Tate. What's good, guys? You can follow yeah, the podcast you. at Pod. That's at B-O-X-C-H-O-C-P-O-D.
0: That's right. And it's what's today's date? It's Monday the thirtieth. Monday, yes. Monday, March thirtieth. Today's Monday, March thirtieth, with by the way I forgot to tell you guys that's the thing I want to start doing is saying the date now mm-hmm. when yeah. you record it. But anyway, it's Monday, March thirtieth. Um, and this is the second edition of the quarantine edition. This time the third. Well, yeah. Well it's chapter two, let's say that. Because I was <laughs> I was the first chapter. First chapter was me. Second chapter oh, yeah, yeah, second, second, second chapter's is Danny. Danny's quarantined now, me, Anthony, and Robert together. We got three quarters of the team here uh, trying not to let coronavirus hold us down. <laughs> 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 all right, but we got a, uh, another great episode for you tonight. Another interview, but as always, make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you can hear the other ones. We've had some great ones so far, and let's get into exactly why we're Oh, wait, 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 wait. Oh, oh.
4: How's everybody's week?
0: How's yeah. going to- it I mean, was all right. I mean, I'm... Basically out of work now. I'm working from home, you know, "quote unquote," until something else happens. But until yeah.
1: Further notice. All right. Well, how's everybody else?
0: Oh, oh I'm, I'm the swell oh. peculiar Pete. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I mean, yeah, everybody everybody else's week is just regular, same old shit. So, I mean, no, so no what did you think?
3: Anything. You thought um, your did your, week was going to be something different? I mean, everyone's quarantine jerking <laughs> over their well, I'm just trying to get some
4: natural conversation going before we fucking hop into an interview. God
1: damn. I can picture your um, face right
3: now with that zoom-up screenshot where your teeth is wide open, like, in that picture.
1: Did they, <laughs> did, did they cut more of your hours at the pharmacy place, or are you still working?
4: No, nah, I'm still I'm still on limited fucking hours, bro. It's it's a small ass place where I work, so so they're trying to limit how many people go in and out of the the office because a lot of sick patients come in, mm. and you know most of these well not most I don't want to say that but a lot of these people could be infected, so they don't want to have they don't yeah. want put the workers at 2, risk. Two thousand
3: people so yeah. far Yeah, a, a lot
0: of a lot of places are separating their staff for that reason and for payroll reasons. Like I know people that work in banks that they split the staff in half and they're working a week at a time. Really? Yeah.
4: Yeah, yeah, that's probably also why too. Like a lot like most of the most of the part-timers that work there are working like birds like bird seed hours, you know? Like they're, they're making no money. Yeah. A lot of the full-timers are on rotating shifts now.
0: Yep. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. All right, now that we made this really depressing, now can we get into what we were going to
4: do? Hey, <laughs> Rob, how you doing? How's your quarantine?
3: I mean, I guess it's all right. I mean, you trying to look for anything in particular I'm going to say? or Is it spring yet? March yeah, 21st was yeah, yeah.
0: spring? Yeah, yeah.
4: March 21st is the, is the spring equinox. That's right.
0: Yeah, That's right.
4: All right. It, way uh, to, uh, way okay, wait what, to kick what, off What spring. voice did
0: you do? Say that again?
4: What voice did you do? Oh, you, you can cut it now. Right I then. did Stitch. <laughs> <laughs> that was Stitch. Hold on. Wait. Time, about
0: time out. Time experiment. out. Now let's get into what we're going to do tonight. So, she's currently an educator and a speaker. Earlier in life, she battled through a decade of being exploited in human sex trafficking. From escaping that life, she founded Beyond Freedom, a survivor run nonprofit helping victims of sex trafficking. She also teaches Tantra and Yoga, and recently, she launched the O Factors. She is Janelle Gordon. How are you doing, Janelle? Thanks for joining us.
5: Thanks for having me, y'all. I love that intro. It makes me sound super cool. <laughs>
0: <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you. Uh, thanks for coming on. The first thing that we like to do is any social media or anything that you want to plug anywhere anybody can find you. Uh, we like to do that yes. right off the bat, so people can hear it right in the beginning.
5: Okay, wonderful. Well, I'll just plug the the main ones because obviously there's a lot. I think we we all have a lot of platforms today. But check me out. uh the, the O factors. Dot com So mm-hmm. T-H-E-O and then factors.com. And if you click right there on the main page, you'll see my two courses, Seven O's to Lasting Connection and Intimacy. It's an eight-week Tantra um, uh, online course experience with me. And it's amazing. And um, I know you'll love it. And if you are if you have women viewers, I don't know if you do, um, I have um, the next course is a Dance on Boot Camp so it's yoga, twerking, dance, movement, um, all stuff that you can do at home. Perfect for the quarantine, right? So get a workout, yeah. get aligned, get in touch with your femininity. Um, great timing. And then my YouTube channel, I get so much free content y'all. Um, um, really, it's, it's a super fun channel and be warned it is for adults only. Cause I do talk a lot about, um, You know, uh, Tantra, Sex and Relationships. So it's just Janelle Gordon is my YouTube. And you can find me on Instagram. I am Janelle Gordon. So, yeah, those are the main ones.
0: All right. Awesome. Um, So I kind of, I like to start at the beginning. So tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, where you're from. um, And then kind of, we'll kind of dive right into it and kind of, like I alluded to in the information we were given, um, you know, a decade in uh, being exploited through sex trafficking. So give us a little bit about yourself and then uh, if you're okay. okay with kind of just diving yeah. right into that, um, I think that would be kind of a good place to start.
5: Awesome. Yeah. So um, I am, well, I live in Newport Beach, California. I moved here about um, almost five years ago before my son was born. So he was born April 24. 24- first and i was actually supposed to be in new york to celebrate his birthday oh. but uh <laughs> that will not be happening
2: yeah that's so he's
5: pretty bummed out about no dylan's candy store or and no shorts the toy so yeah, kinda i kind of i didn't even there. know that
1: that toy we, store was still around shorts. yeah i remember I that they store. closed. yeah me too
5: yeah you know he's he watches his youtube people and he wants to go so i i had some dear friends up there and we were going to go, but now we're going to just not do that. <laughs> we're going to have a Zoom party. So, uh, yeah, so I, I live in Newport Beach. Mm-hmm. As, as I just said, I'm a mom, to a single mom to almost five-year-old, which is, you know, full of challenges, as you, as you can, if any of y'all are parents, I'm sure you know. It's, uh, it's not something that anyone tells you how to do, and um, you just try to do the best you can from what's, I guess kind of like you always do the opposite of how you're raised, at least for me. Yes, I'm,
3: I'm living proof of that. I can tell you that
5: 100%. Yes, exactly. And then um, I also run um, an international uh, relationship and sex coaching business called The O-Factors. And then I'm the executive director of Beyond Freedom Nonprofit. And um, yeah, and then I'm still a student. I'm working on finishing my... Um, Degree in advertising, my bachelor's degree. So I kind of wear a lot of heels. I like to say heels instead of hats, and uh, um, cool. yeah. We'll
1: switch up. Yeah.
5: <laughs> so yeah, so that's the basic rundown on me, of me mm. now. Okay. okay. So, um, let's start at the beginning of. It. Okay. So um,
4: when. Just trying like, to
3: figure question. out how to go smoothly into this one.
4: <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, uh, well, first of all, I just wanted to say that um, I don't have my own kids, but I know.
1: Yeah, none of but, us do. Uh,
4: I know, okay. what you mean because I have uh, I have my niece and my nephew are staying with me because oh, of wow. the, her. Pe- yeah, her. My, niece, their parents are. They live in New Rochelle in. Uh, like, Near Westchester, and they had a huge coronavirus outbreak. So they've been living with me for about um, two months now. Oh my God, bless your and heart. He's uh, my niece is five, my nephew is seven months. So they're a
5: handful. <gasps> wow! Yeah. So you got a crash course in parenting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've been
4: seeing their diapers for years already. I've been seeing for years. So I wanted to mm-hmm. let's get into the start of it. I'm uh, sorry, Robbie. okay
0: Go ahead, Danny. Go ahead. Go ahead. The, the, the floor uh, is yours, so Penelope,
4: you <laughs> So how exactly did your – how did the story start?
5: How did it start? Okay. So um, long story short because I know we don't have a ton of time. but um,
0: We have about an hour if if not okay. as long as we okay. want to go.
5: Okay. <laughs> yeah, as long as she's available. Oh, she's available. I think what's important for me to really <laughs> share about my past is that people understand that this is um, – you guys, you know, don't have kids yet. You have nieces and nephews, but mm-hmm. I, I imagine you want to eventually, or some of you do. Or yeah. you have children that you care about, even if you don't want to be a parent. Um, mm-hmm. And I think what's really important for me to mention, even before we get into my story, is that um, this is a business, just like you all have businesses and side hustles and gigs. And things, It is a business, and it's the second largest criminal activity in the world behind um, armed weapons, behind, mm-hmm. uh, you know, weapons. So it's a $150 billion global industry. Wow. And so when you crazy. think of it like that, and w- when I sh- share my story, you can kind of start to see how um, how it's it's really a clever business because it's a product that you don't need to buy again. Like, you know, for instance, if if you have a business and you sell a product, you obviously, what's the rules of business, right? You want to make sure that you are offering the most amount of value, that you're paying the least amount up for the product, and that you're selling it for the most that you can, where you're still offering value, but you're obviously making a profit, right? right? And so that is what this business is all about. But however, when you think about how lucrative it is, because you only buy the product one time. So you only invest in the product once to get the girl in, Mm -hmm. and then it's a reusable product. So I had basically all all the check marks to be the perfect target for um, becoming a a human product. I was um, a product of the system, so I was in the foster system since I was six months old Mm -hmm. and, um, I did not have a pleasant childhood at all. (laughs) I'll just say it, uh, quite, quite frankly, you know, I was passed around from homes and I experienced physical and sexual abuse, um, as, as a baby. Um, and so that right there is like a major indicator that, um, later on in life, this child will, um, you know, grow up to be exploited through human trafficking. Just those two things right there. So I think it's very interesting that we we touch on that because when you think about solutions, which is what Beyond Freedom is all about, you have to think about the infrastructure of how we're educating our children about sex and also how our systems are kind of failing us. And so that's kind of, you know two really huge points that I think are important to remember. And now,
4: let me, I don't mean to cut you off. I'm sorry. But yeah, you no, you, not at all. Can you elaborate on how those two are, are connected to, to the sex so, trafficking
5: world? Because, yeah, absolutely. Great question. They, they are connected because they, they foster a vulnerable population. Um, and I think that's the <clears throat> greatest misconception about human trafficking today is that it only happens to people like me, uh, that we're a vulnerable population, meaning foster system or abuse, but it actually can happen to anyone that is in that vulnerable state of mind. So to elaborate on your question or what you asked, the reason why that happens with, um, young women that have been in the foster system or experienced physical or sexual abuse as a child is because it does one thing it leaves a permanent scar on them Mm -hmm. now i mean you imagine if you've known of anyone god forbid that's ever suffered this or gone through this they're, they're they're not quite the same and as they go through life they carry this 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 weight of being abused, being exploited, and so they become insecure, and they develop certain traits and characteristics that lead them to basically be an open target for a predator to come in and really fulfill those needs. So if you know Maslow's hierarchy of needs, he talks about the basic human needs. And I yep. do a lot of personal development work, and Tony Robbins has kind of categorized these Um, As you know, the six basic human needs, which is the need for certainty, uncertainty, significance, love, um, connection, um, growth and contribution. And so um, some of those being the more um, the more instinctual needs. And so what what traffickers do and to answer your question in full now is they go in and prey on the needs, the unmet needs of victims of, of future victims. So for instance, myself, I had this great need to be loved and to be accepted and to be a part of something because I grew up um, being abused and being hurt and feeling like I didn't fit in because I didn't belong, because I was passed around and because I was abused and exploited. So the only thing I wanted was the antithesis of that. I wanted to be loved and I wanted to feel like I was a part of something. And I also grew up really poor, so I wanted to have money and have things in life. Um, so, so just to yeah. kind of clarify
4: this, just, just really for myself, yeah. um, is, so you mentioned Maslow's pyramid and I know that the, the psycho the physiology is the last of the pyramid and the next mm-hmm. one is safety. Right. Is it necessary? Would would you say that it's, it's kind of, um, tied into like an uncon, like an unconditional stimulus in a way? I, yeah, and I, I, kind of I, tie I, it in? It's kind of tied into uh, to solicit a sort of unconditioned response in in injunction. Okay. So yes. then Be- that Yeah. Go okay. ahead.
5: No, no. Go ahead.
4: Just, I was just going to say that if if you're, it's interesting that you brought up Maslow's pyramid because I was actually um, I was just talking to to my professor about this um, not too long ago. It's a it's a management course. And okay, she was basically telling me how the pyramid um, works well with, with, with like the, there are certain steps that have to happen in order for you to reach the top of the pyramid. So okay. when this, when uh, the sex traffickers would come up with <coughs> uh, I don't know how exactly it worked, but when yeah um, how, how exactly would they get in contact with you and, and stimulate your your physiological needs?
5: Well, this is a great question, and actually, back when I was trafficked, um, was was not that long ago, but was still long enough that things had changed. On, um, you know, they would look for. I, I studied NLP, neuro linguistic programming. It's something new that I started studying because I became fascinated with Tony Robbins and his work because it was so transformational for me. Yeah. So I wanted to understand. What drives people, and that's why I brought up the Maslow's hierarchy and what Tony's kind of his um, what he's created as his six basic human needs, and not really his, but like other people kind of all together, we came up with this theory. So, right. so basically, you know, they would watch my body language and they would see how I carry myself and see how I interact with others. I mean, and like I said, this was a few years back, so things have changed. But traffickers would hang out at malls or they would hang out, you know, at restaurants. They would go into places or to colleges. They'd go into places where the new younger adults would be, and now it's unfortunately really younger, um, and would just watch them. And, like, I met my trafficker in a restaurant. I was waitressing. And so I think it's important to understand that now they don't even need that. They can do all this from really the comfort of their own home mm-hmm. you know, when you were, when, through social media
0: when you were waitressing and and uh and you met them how uh, how old were you
5: um at the time i was in my early 20s but Jeez. the way that that this was my um this was already my third trafficker and he's the oh. main one that i really talk about because this is i was trafficked in vegas and that was Jeez. the majority of the time was with him and the most dangerous um so i was early 20s however The way I grew up, I grew up in an extremist, um, religious, fundamental Christian cult. So even though I was older, I was mentally like 12, you know, because I grew up so repressed and kept out from the outside world. Right. And so when I got into the real world, I had no idea what I was getting into. I knew what went on in the four walls of the church, but that was it. I didn't know anything else because I was homeschooled and things like that my whole life. And um, so I think that it's important to understand that they are really targeting children now. And now they don't have to go into a restaurant. They don't have to go to the mall. They can go into your kid's game device, your approved games that they play on their computer phone or even the games that they play mm. on playstation i don't even know what that stuff is because i'm not really into the no, tech you're right
0: you're a hundred percent right you're a hundred percent right there are absolutely those ways that they can get to them
5: yeah and that's how they're doing it now and you know kids share their whole life and tiktok is the worst one your kids should yes. never have that app Never, 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 never. You hear that, dude? If if they do have it, it's like you got to be on them. You have the password. It's on your phone, too, you know? Because I also don't believe, because how I was raised, so, you know, so in a cult, like so strict, I'm really like, I understand you have to let your kids live, but you also have to know every single password for every single account and you tell them, listen, I don't, I'm not going to check your things. However, if I notice, any kind of weird behavior, I will go in and check your account. Right. Like, that's just how you have to do it. And then you might say, well, that's, it's not fair. It violates privacy. Well, we don't live in that kind of world that a loss is privacy anymore. We right. just
0: don't. Yeah, we don't. None of us Definitely, have privacy.
1: Yeah, privacy has been gone. Oh, yeah,
5: yeah. <laughs> yeah, so you can tell your kids that, you know. Well, look, right. get in line. They're, yeah. they're you're selling to us through, you know, through our TVs now. They're smart TVs, so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, um, I know I got a little sidetracked, no, but, that's fine. but es- essentially, you know, that's that's what happens. I was the perfect target. I was at a vulnerable place in my life, and I wanted um, I wanted to have my needs met, and someone, you know, dangled that carrot in front of me, and I bought it. So know? they and deceived, they
3: deceived the you. Part. Like you, you were deceived to an extent. Like they detected one of your most urged emotions based on your past, yes. and they were able to detect it, and then they use it to their advantage, and then they basically yes. just deceived you. Okay, got it. And yep. um, like, can I ask you
1: something uh, really quick before you continue on? Uh, yes. You mentioned that this was the third time you were trafficked. So, what happened the first and second time that you yeah, were able fast. to, like, you know, escape and go back to normalcy, and then this happened, you know? And did you was well, there any signs that you were looking out for after that happened? Mm-hmm.
5: That's a really great question because you know. Um, I think the misconception of what human trafficking is, is, has been, you know, has been pushed because the agenda has been pushed by well-meaning films that every guy loves, like the movie Taken.
2: Mm. I just cannot tell you. Not the
5: biggest fan. Like, how how wrong this movie went. Like, it's a great movie, and it's it's a movie, and it's an entertainment, but it's it's unfortunately led people to believe that human trafficking happens when, you know, the, a girl's you know thrown into the back of a van and sold for a million dollars on a yacht. The dad comes, and it's just right. that's not how it happens, and I'm sure it does happen like that in a few small cases, perhaps in Eastern Europe, but it's honestly not how it goes down. So for me, in my first two pems were, you know, they were um like finesse pimps. And my first experience um was actually my boyfriend's mom when I was very young, you know, oh, and man. she um it, it was crazy and I don't get into it a lot cause it's kind of it's it's um it's something that was really hard and I'm That's, starting to just have, deal yeah, with it. We don't like, yeah, you don't anything. have yeah. 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 to get so into So that it. was the that That's was why. the first one. And it wasn't Violent, but it was more psychological. Like okay. I'm providing you shelter and a place to live, so you have to go. You have to go to the strip club and pay this uh, off. She was
4: manipulating you with things that she was providing you that she yes, essential things that I couldn't necessarily. Uh, and,
5: exactly, and I had no choice. And remember, I had no family because I was, you know. So, and then the second one was what we call a finesse pimp, and he. He pimps me with, like, the fine things and, and, and pretended to be my boyfriend and had me mm-hmm. working in the strip club for him and, you know, come to find out he was doing this with so many other young women. But mm-hmm. he wasn't physically abusing me. He was just, you know, manipulating me and using, um, you know, um, how do you say this one? It's it's, it's um, verbiage. It was emotional uh, and, and, right. and coercion. And it wasn't ever violent. Now, when I got to Vegas, that was, and I escaped through a photographer who um, came to Texas to take pictures uh, with a photographer friend of his, because I was originally from Texas and that's where he met me. And I just shared with him my story. We just kind of had a connection and it was just totally a, a friendship platonic one. And I told him, I said, I'm trapped. I can't get out. And I didn't know I was being trafficked. I just thought like I just kind of have Honestly, I just thought I had a shit life. I thought, well, this is just life. You know, you right. only know what you know. Yeah. Like, I didn't know that people had, like, birthday parties and parents loved them. And so I just, that was, like, I didn't know that. Kids went to school. Like, these are things I never experienced.
1: Can I ask like, you something? Why I work so um, hard
5: now to to provide that for my son. Yeah, go ahead.
1: Back then, did you have any sort of relationship with, like, your social workers? Did they, Was there any person that stuck out to you that actually re- did give a damn and try to, like, really help you? Or was it just fail after fail?
5: It was when I was young, but then I became a warden of the state. My story gets crazier. Like I was placed with this family, but they never adopted me. So it was actually still a a warden of the state. Um, So it meant that I had to stay with my my family, even though I tried to run away several times because it was, I I didn't, this was not um, a healthy environment and I wasn't being, you know, built up i didn't have access to proper medical care proper education <laughs> things like that that you should have yeah and um and so i i was it was kind was stuck between a rock and a hard place if that makes sense if i yeah. ran away they would arrest me because i was the government's property and i had to go back to who the government had placed uh, me with so really? it's very really interesting to think yeah, yeah, yeah this is crazy. a true story that's I was, interesting <laughs> i wasn't adopted been... until i was 24 my parents tried to make that for it My pimp at the time actually sent me home for the adoption ceremony at 24, and then just so he wouldn't alert anyone, because I had a strange relationship with them. They were trying to salvage it, and so to think that I was being trafficked and he flew me home to get adopted at 24, and then flew me back—it's just crazy now when I kind of think about it.
4: Right. Um, Mm -hmm. That's that's lucrative. Like that's that was that he's done that before. Oh yeah, yeah. That's that like, point. what do
5: I have to do? Oh yeah, what do I have to do to make sure that my ATM machine keeps spitting out exactly. money? Whatever I need to do, you know? So to answer your question, does that kind of help to show you that it's like, not what people think. I have girls that I work with, they go to school in the day. They go to junior high and high school in the day. And on the weekends, their traffickers pick them up and they go out on dates and come back. Or they're in college during the day and at night they're doing video cams and driving to people's house. And to you know, for sex at night for these guys that they meet on the camp. So, so that's, that's actually
4: something yeah. that I wanted to get into. Um, you don't have to speak from obviously a personal standpoint. You can yeah. speak from, um from from what your coworkers did or whatever it is not coworkers. You know what I mean?
5: Yeah, yeah, what, I get it. No,
4: what exactly did um? What exactly did did these pimps have you do, or them do?
5: Well, that's a great question. And for me, I'm very honest because um, there's certain things, like I stay off topic, like my son and my son's father when it comes to my story. I just kind of keep that out because it's his life. And, you know, I it, other than that, I'm pretty much so open unless I'll say, like, I don't want to get into it too much. It's too hard. But right. for me, I was forced to make a certain quota. And I was trafficked through the strip clubs. So when you see what you see on these nonprofits well-meaning if you will that show these girls like on the track in dc you know in like freaking stripper clothes and you know going over to windows i know you can picture hanging out of car windows i know you can picture what i'm saying right now that's Mm -hmm. what you think it is and going to a shady you know super eight motel or whatever where none of these people will see this guy who's maybe an affluent guy like, they know that he, he, none of his colleagues will see him in a seedy hotel in a seedy neighborhood so that's what kind of people think it is but right. really for me it was not that thankfully I mean being trafficked is still being trafficked being a product is still being a product right, like, right. for me I was trafficked at a pretty extreme level which makes people not really <clears throat> empathize with me as much like they don't because they're like wait you were trafficked in Vegas like you're making tens of thousands of dollars That I was making, you know, in a night, in a week, and it wasn't mine. And so that's hard for people to wrap their head around. So to answer your question, because I tend to get sidetracked, um, I was trafficked through the strip clubs. So I had to make a quota. And if that meant going back to a guy's hotel room to make the quota, then that's what I had to do. I was also trafficked um, through the escort sites because... To, to to my pimp, it was more about the number. He didn't care what we did. He's just like, just make the damn number. I don't care if right. you don't if you if you talk the whole night in the VIP room, like you have to make this number. And so for me, I was lucky in that way that I um, had the freedom, if you will, to just come up with the number somehow. Um, and so sometimes it was in the club, and sometimes it was out of the club. Right. And um, it just. You know, it just depends. It just depends on so the, the situation. Reason,
4: the reason why I, why I ask is because mm-hmm. I'm, I, uh, and I'm assuming that whoever's listening to this, there's probably a, a large amount of people that probably looked at it the way I did also. But I'm, yeah. I'm the type of person that I have watched these movies where not necessarily about like sex trafficking or, or whatever. It could, be, it could have been like a, a, a corny high school movie. I, I watched some of these movies, and I'm like, there's no way this is real. Like, this is yeah. the actress, you know? Yeah. And yeah. I have actually met a lot of people, a lot of girls, who were escorts, but they didn't – all they did was go on dates with the guy, and yeah. the guy's paying for their bills or whatever it is, and it's actually not uh, um, a hard – like, uh, they're not getting hit or anything like that, but they also have – themselves for people that they yes. have pay the money to oh so I absolutely wanted, i wanted to i wanted to get uh get it from you so that people understand that no. this is real life these things happen all the time
5: absolutely and that's the thing it is the escort system this is this is where it gets really tricky people are like oh the strip clubs the escort the porn it's it's all the same thing what's I, I it's it, it's like. One degree of separation between them all, because if you really want to know, and I'm going to be, I don't know how blunt you guys are. I'm sure. Yeah, you
2: can be blunt.
5: Like when you go to a strip club and here's the thing, I know it's fun for guys and, and they love it. And unfortunately it's, it's just not that fun for women. And, and let me answer you this question. I asked this question because you say, well, Oh, women say it's empowering and they love doing it. You have nieces and you know, little girls and maybe in your community and your family, have you ever heard a four-year-old say when they grow up no, they I want to be a stripper mm. and grind on guys' sticks for a living?
0: No. No. no.
4: So, and, if she, and if she did, I would
0: yeah. not be okay with
5: that. Yeah. She was conditioned to say that by her environment. So let's just be honest. It's not empowering in, in, in the way that it, you know, this is something, yes, it's the oldest profession in the world, and women have had to do what they've had to do over time. Understandable. However, when women try to play this whole I'm empowered and this and that I, I understand there's always outliers as there is with anything in life But this right. is not normalcy the women that I work with now that I worked with rather when I look back I think there was so many women being trafficked and I had no idea because I was being trafficked too right. but there was you know I could probably count on one hand the amount of women that I knew that were just in there and just doing it
4: because and, they didn't, um, they didn't know anything else that's they didn't all, know anything else. Grew, that's what they grew up being exposed
5: to. Or during, like, when I was, I, so I was trafficked in a really high-end clubs in Vegas. And it was during, right before the stock market crashed, if you guys remember that amazing no, no. time in our yeah. history. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, so um, everything went, housing, everything went to hell in a handbasket. And some of the girls that I worked with were actually um, in real estate, and they had bought properties, and the cash was good. And so they had maybe normal jobs they were teachers and stuff and they would they would dance as a side hustle wow. and but that was rare that was rare
2: yeah like
5: the rarity you know and um and you know things have really changed after that all that happened because if you saw the movie hustler which <laughs> i highly recommend you yeah, watch it, it it was actually the truest depiction of went on and i and i hate to say it but i'll say it because it's a part of you know my, my who i am now i i in, experienced and was involved in many things just like that movie because i was being forced to make a certain quota and i had to bring the money in right and the way they depicted that movie is actually how it went down like absolutely
4: right mm-hmm. so what would happen
5: if you it didn't
4: meet the quota people and
5: making them well i would experience extreme uh <laughs> abuse and extreme you know uh, violence which You know, I now have learning challenges and disabilities because I had so many concussions and so much head trauma.
3: Jesus Um, Jesus Christ, God bless you. You know,
5: and, you know, I mean, I've sent myself to jail so many times so that I didn't have to endure a a beating that I just – Right.
3: That I was the better option. One. So that was the better option at once. That's crazy.
5: It was the better option, and now I wish because now it's so different. When I was being trafficked, people are actually talking about human trafficking because of geniuses like Epstein and the guy yeah. from the you know the quarterbacks uh, or the the the, the Patriots um, owner oh,
0: that um, was caught
5: in the whole scandal. I
0: remember his name? With, oh, Robert, yeah, Kraft. Yeah. Robert Kraft, Kraft yeah. Kraft, yeah. yeah. exactly
5: so this kind of stuff has brought human trafficking to the forefront and now people are talking and so police now know and a lot of more more people know but i wish i back then you know i felt comfortable with talking to an officer and i would have been able to tell him like hey can you help me i want to get out and i don't know what to do because i've been threatened that he's going to either kill me and i've seen him nearly kill people in front of me Or he's going to kill my family. And even if I don't have a relationship with him, I certainly don't want anyone to die. You know, like, so So that is one thing that um, I wish that, you know, I was a little more brave back then and and could have asked for help.
0: Yeah, but I don't Um, think anybody can blame you. I mean, just being in that situation alone, it's kind of hard, I'd imagine, to step up and say anything. Did you have any direct uh,
1: people that you befriended along this like traumatic thing that happened, like other like girls. Who I were did. In the same, okay, yeah, I was wondering. I did.
5: Unfortunately for me, and it's so weird how it happened that way. I'm not really in contact with anyone now that I knew from my life, other than my photographer, who's still a friend of mine. Um, that initially moved me out to Vegas. Um, it's kind of weird. Um, you know, when you're when you're friends with girls in the life, it's kind of a superficial friendship you know because and it's kind of like what you saw in the movie how like you had love for each other but in the end it was kind of every person for themselves if you yeah. saw
2: yeah, like yeah.
5: how that went down and so unfortunately for me you know i'm i'm not friends with and i talk about one of the girls who really saved my life um in my ted talk and um she um yeah she lives out here in newport but um it's weird when girls get out of the life, they just kind of don't want, it's like, they're, they're like, oh, guilty by association. If I'm friends with you, then people will know I was in the life and yeah. it's, it's quite interesting. So yeah, I'm not anymore. Right. Cause I'd imagine, but, uh,
0: probably a lot of people don't speak about it and don't bring it to the forefront of like, quote unquote, their new life. Right. I'd, I'd imagine like you you're, you're probably a pretty rare breed.
5: I'm definitely (laughs) rare. Most people do not want the exposure and do not want the, you know, the attention on them and um, just don't want to do interviews or anything like that because it's, they, they feel ashamed or embarrassed about it, but I don't, you know, it's like, I, I, the only thing I worry about, and I barely worry about it is my son. Um, But in the end, I think he'll know that what I did and what, why I did it was to create a platform to really help a lot of other women and to really, you know, gain the, um, uh, not the notoriety, it's the the credibility. That's the work, the credibility in who I am and what I've created as, you know, as an educator, as, um, as a speaker, as an author, as an entrepreneur, as a nonprofit executive director, all these things that I've created and built that I did it for him too. And that's so.
0: I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. You can keep going.
5: That's okay. No, that's that was that's my only thing like I said that I do worry about, but I I feel like he he will understand, you know. He'll be like, "Well, my mom did this for me." Right. So, right. to open yeah. up
0: people's eyes and 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 potentially save lives. And that was kind of the perfect transition because I kind of wanted to get into um Beyond Freedom and you alluded to, oh, it. Wait. Before oh, we ahead, move to that before.
3: Sorry. I,
4: I have some questions. Go
3: have peculiar Pete.
4: Yeah. So, um <laughs> my first question would be how um can can you talk a a a little bit about how you got out of the life
5: yes absolutely
4: a follow-up to that once once that's answered what (laughs) was your motivation for um uh, getting the courage to speak out about this and to be as open as you are and to share your story
5: so i got out of the life through um Really, how I'm opening my TED talk, so I'm kind of ruining it for you. But it's like a, <laughs> uh, a friend of mine. Um, um, I was sitting in a strip club called Seamless, and I, I'm pretty sure it's still there. It was an after-hours club, and it, so it was kind of weird because it was a strip club, and then at three o'clock it would turn to after-hours. And um, one night I had just recovered from a beating. I had strangulation marks on me. I had, you know, really bruises, and I you know, enough Mac makeup in the world doesn't cover those, you know, it was like, I did my best, but I had to go to work that night. I had to put on the show and I had to perform and make money. And it was a really hard time. And it was around that, that time during the crash. And, um, I had like $300 in my wallet and I needed 3000 to go home. And so I knew I was not in a good place. And I remember this, like, it was just yesterday because the Gnarls Barkley song, um, Does That Make Me Crazy, was playing in the background. <laughs> yeah. And um, if you guys remember yep. that, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, wonder. Yeah. And um, I smelled, you know, yeah. vodka and Red Bull. There was cigar smoke cotton candy. It was a strange thing. They, they gave everyone cotton candy at the strip club. I didn't really get that. But I remember all those because it was just one of those defining moments in your life that will never go away. And she looked over at me. i have been working with her for years, five, six years at that point, And she just said, you know, don't you want to be happy? And it was just mm. this, maybe the desperation of me being in so much pain and knowing if I went home, I was not going to be able to withstand another one of his, you know, fits of rage and I couldn't go through another beating and I felt so desperate. I didn't know what else to do. I, I like I felt stuck. And I felt, you know, painfully stuck and fearfully stuck. But it was just that that notion of what well what is happiness? Because I didn't really feel like I'd ever experienced happiness in my entire life. But it was something that I wanted to to explore and I thought maybe it was possible. And, and so it was that
4: you, how old were you at the time?
5: Um, that was, I was late 20s, you know, 20, maybe 28, something like that. Wow, Around there, twenty, twenty nine, And I just thought, you know, I don't know what this is, but I want to find out. And so it was that night that we devised a plan to sort of fake my own death so that I could get away from my trafficker, uh, from my pimp, if you will, and be able to, to just start my life over. And so that was really the leverage, and I would love to say that that was the end of all ends, but it wasn't. Unfortunately, I did get away from him for a short time, and then he got back, and the cycle continued, which you'll see if you do any research. Most girls, it's rare that they just have one pimp, and that's it. Right. It's, it's a cycle. It's secular. It's like a, It's like any kind of other addiction, like alcohol or drugs or anything, overeating. It, it's, you do it. You stop. You say you're never going to do it again or you're, you know, abuse. You're never going to beat up your wife again, and then it goes back because it doesn't matter like what happens. Like he might leave that relationship, and he will get involved with someone else, and he will abuse her. And same thing with abusing, and same thing with alcohol. Because wherever you go, there you still are. If you're not fixing the problem, it doesn't matter where you go, what relationship you 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 know get into. It's it's still unities that, that haven't been resolved. And so for me, you know, for most girls, it's a cycle. It's a pattern and it doesn't end until it really ends, until they change something drastically. So uh,
4: so, what was your end of the cycle?
5: Um, my end of the cycle, really good question, was um, I had left, I fled to Texas thinking, oh, I'm, gonna get, I'm leaving Vegas. I'm going back to where I started, which is like humbling in and of itself. Then I'm stripping down there and it was just, It was just, it was terrible. You know, I was like, I'm back. Um, And uh, I got picked up by another guy who this time was not as dangerous, but it was the same cycle. And I knew I could never get out of this. I'm like, I'm going to die, you know, in the strip clubs. It's just not like a, like a good way to go, you know, with some guy that's beating up on me and I'm giving him all my money. And so I just thought, well, this, this, this isn't, this is not going to end well. And I was working in a strip club in San Antonio, Texas. And this guy walks in and just says, like, I need to help this young woman. And so he asked the the waitress, he said, will you give her my number? I want to, I'm supposed to help her. And it was really strange. And the waitress said, hey, you got to call this guy. So I said, okay. And she goes, he's a good client of mine. He, he doesn't, you don't have to dance for nothing. He's just, he's just a good guy. I said, okay. So I called him and he, um, we developed kind of a bit of a rapport. And he just said, listen, something helps me when I was hurt. And I went through a lot of hurt and trauma and sexual trauma as a child. And I think this will help you. And he said, if you find a school, I want to send you. Find a Tantra school, I'll send you. Because he had attended some Tantra retreats. And I said, okay. So um, he sent me. I found a school. It was in Thailand. And I thought, wow. You know, I could literally start my life over. I could get away. I can't strip in Thailand. You know, like, you know, right. an American citizen. You can't. It doesn't work like that over there. I will get away. I'll get out of this life. Mm-hmm. And at the time, my trafficker from Vegas, was in the penitentiary, and he was still contacting me, still pursuing me. That's crazy. And so I was actually, yeah, I was afraid. And I thought, well, this is a way, he he, he can't call me once I'm in Thailand. You know, like, there's no way he can find out if I'm on this deserted island, blah, blah, blah. And so that's what I did. And that was really the leverage that got me out of the cycle. How much time did you spend in Thailand? i was there for a year i studied cool. extensively in this path of yoga called tantra that was extreme it was it was hell before it was heaven i went through so much like pain and 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 just uncomfortableness, and uh, God, the list goes on of the unpleasantries. Like it was hell for the first few months, but it was like literally me getting back into my body. Years of abuse, years of trauma, years of things I'd stuffed down and masked over and performed every night. I performed on stage every night. You know, I was a chameleonaire. I could perform and I could talk to anyone and make anyone like me, and I was good at it. It became a, a, a disassociation pattern that I used to survive. It was my body's way of surviving.
0: Right. It wasn't so, actually you anymore. Yeah.
5: It wasn't me, but it was the body's way. Like I talk to therapists now, and they're like, "Well, your body was doing that to help you mm-hmm. because you couldn't endure it." So it was hell in Thailand. But then once I got through and I started getting to the core of me and the pain and the trauma, it started. It started to. The sun began to shine again. I started to really feel safe in my body again. And I started to be able to breathe again and to live again and to make relationships with guys that weren't sexual. I actually did my entire Tantra training with nothing sexual at all. Just friendships.
3: No, I don't want to. um, No, go ahead. Go ahead. ahead. No, no, keep going.
5: The premise was the school is everyone thinks Tantra is all about sex, which it's not. It's like a small part of it. It's really a spiritual path. Um, of living with connection and really living at one with everything and finding the beauty and everything in every situation in any moment in life. And that's the whole tantra. Ah. And so, but the Tantra school, when you're training, there's exercises and things they do. And it's, it's like recommended that you have a sexual partner. And I remember during this time, like I seriously could not sleep with, like nobody wanted to sleep with me. It was like, I had this whole sign on my head it was so funny because i remember thinking i must be the only person in tantra school <laughs> that like could not get a tantra partner right. to save their life but looking back <laughs> now i see it was like supposed to happen this way for me to go through the healing that i needed and to be able to have male friends and i still have those male friends that i met on that island at that school to this day and it was just such a beautiful experience of connection and love at a platonic level that I've never really experienced in my entire
0: life. Yeah, that's that's kind of like an amazing way to get away from it. I'm sorry, Rob. You want? I mean, I don't want
3: to. I, I don't want to backtrack at all, but um, because it seems like you know yeah. you finally you got you got the sunshine finally. But um, <laughs> how did your trafficker? How did he go to prison? What did he? You that's know? a
5: great and. Another great question, and I would love to say it was through some something that I did. It was not. It was It was actually in the MySpace era, if you remember that. Yep. Oh, yeah. Um, right at the end, right before Instagram came out. It was, like, right on that cusp. And he, I, I had was gotten away pre- from boy. What Was this pre- and post you Polytechnic? Yeah. I am actually not sure. I think it was pre-. <laughs> but um, that was funny. So he was, you know, recruiting girls through my space and I I was not with him at this time and he had tried to get me back several times and even showed me and introduced me to some of these girls and these girls were young, like they were, I don't know if some of them were even legal and uh, he kept trying to get me back and playing, you know, the whole nice card and all this and you know, everything, and now we can build this together, and I just did not want anything to do with it, so thankfully, I didn't get sucked back in, and that's when I moved to Texas, but I heard about it from my photographer, he said, you know, check this article, and you can really look it up to this day, it's called the Las Vegas Panty Raid, and they went in, (laughs) because the Henderson police and Las Vegas police had wanted him for a long time. Mm -hmm. There was a laundry list of things that they were pissed at him for, but they couldn't ever get him because he just manipulated so many girls and we all stood up for this asshole. You know, like we were just so uh, brainwashed, literally. Um, I remember taking a fall once for him um, um, because he had, I had called 911 a, a night that I was left to die in Gladys Knight's neighborhood he left me out there with a severe congestion, and I passed out 2 30 a.m. I don't remember for how long I woke up. I couldn't see. And uh, I get a little bit crazy when I talk about this, but anyway, I was able to dial nine one one finally. And then he came out and I thought the phone hung up, but you know how the call still goes through. Yeah. So they came back and then um, he took me to another location where he beat me up more and raped me and all this stuff. And then brought me back and then the police were there. And so that night, as as many other nights, I lied about what happened. And, um, yeah, and uh, he had me say that um, it was his drugs and all this stuff, but the police, of course, didn't believe it. And so, anyway, long story short, they were after him and they wanted him. And some girl, he just messed with the wrong girl, she got upset. And she went to the police and said, listen, this guy has a home in Summerlin, in Henderson. He has underage girls in there. He's, there. He's escorting them out, da 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 and they went and arrested. Like they went right at the time when girls are getting out of work, 5.30, 6 o'clock in the morning, and the girls were all still in lingerie and stuff for work, and they, it, they made them all go outside the house like that, which I think they kind of got in trouble for because they wanted to make sure they got him. Right. And so that's
0: how they got him. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's, that's a crazy story in itself. <laughs> I know.
5: It, keeps, <laughs> it just keeps getting crazier.
0: Um, Let's get uh, into now. Um, we talked about how you got out of it. Um, Let's get into what you're doing now and the things that came out of it. Uh, kind of the stuff we alluded to before. So tell me about yeah. Beyond Freedom. Um, and, okay. uh, and you, like we said, you're also a speaker. You're doing TED Talks. So let's talk about that yeah. a little bit.
5: So Beyond Freedom came out of me just realizing that there wasn't enough support for women who'd come out of this kind of life. Like, there's so many organizations right now that are rescuing girls, and rescuing young women, but you don't really hear much about, like, what happens after that. And to me, I thought, this is, like, a shame. And I experienced firsthand, you know, being homeless here in Newport Beach and not having, you know, people, like, not helping me because I was too old. You know, but I'd been trafficked for so many years, so a lot of the girls will be older when they come out. So it was, was, you know, I experienced not a lot of support from a lot of organizations with a lot of money that supposedly that's what they do. Mm -hmm. And it just devastated me. And I thought, this cannot be, this is not right. This isn't okay. And I guarantee you, none of these people in these organizations have ever been trafficked. They're just rich white ladies that got bored and started an organization. And thankfully they do because I think sometimes they do help people. But, but I thought, what if an organization you, was...
0: You think sorry, majority of them just want to put their name on it?
5: Yeah, absolutely. Right. And that's okay, too, if they are really helping. But when it came down to it, what I'm finding out is a lot of times they're not. Right. A lot of times I say that. I'm sure there is some. So I just create... Beyond Freedom came out of me not getting the support I needed. And I wanted to offer that to women mm-hmm. that had come out. And so I started this as a campus club at my community college. And mm-hmm. one of the first things I did to survive was enroll in school because they had single, single moms, assistants and things like that. And, you know, uh, I could get on government funding if I was in school and get my son. Like I had nothing, you know, I had no education, a 10 year job history where they swear I wasn't working. But I guarantee you, I was. I right. mean, you could put on an application, you know,
2: right.
5: and you know, a baby and a seventh grade education. I'm like, so I did what I knew how to survive, and that's actually one part of my talk. And will actually be my second talk is going to be called "What's Out Really Like," you know, what what does out really look like?
2: Mm-hmm. The
5: ugly truth of out. Um, and so that's how Beyond Freedom got started. Now, I went through a lot of crazy stuff and trying to just go from product to person and figure this out. There's no rule book or manual how to do this. And um, I, I had an encounter with Tony Robbins that really changed the course of my life today. And it was two years ago. Um, he reached out to me on an Instagram post after I commented on a post that really saved my life because at that moment I was in despair and I didn't want to go on living like that anymore because I, I just couldn't do it. I couldn't function. I couldn't you know, mentally function in the world trying to raise a son was going to school. Now I have learning disabilities. I have to, you know, keep my grades up or I lose my funding. I'm barely making the rent. It was, it was hell. I had postpartum, like you wouldn't believe. And, um, I just thought this, this cannot be my life anymore. I might as well just go back to what I was doing. At least I was certain what was going to happen there. And, um, again, the certainty, right? The uncertainty nice. was insurmountable. So Tony reached out to me and just said, listen, I want to help you. I want to help you help more women, but I want to help you. And just that act that a stranger that doesn't know me, he doesn't need to send anything to me. Right. It's especially, not like he's like, oh, I need to prove that right. I'm helping someone. Especially I think his somebody, track record is pretty good. Especially, <laughs> Right,
0: exactly. That's what I was going to say. Especially, especially someone with a reach and a platform like Tony Robbins. <laughs>
5: Yeah, it's not like he's like, I need to help this girl that's been trafficked because, like, my ratings are down. Like, no, like, he's already doing that. He's already working with Operation Underground. So, that right there showed me someone cared and it gave me a sense of hope and purpose in my life that I never had before. I thought I could actually do something. And so, when I got to meet him, it was, you know, transformational. And um, he started sending me to every single one of his events. Um, Wow. He sent me to, B- business Mastery, Date with Destiny, UPW starts letting me bring girls that I work with to UPW. Yeah. He's been amazing. The organization is a little yeah, crazy. But Tony, if it's from Tony himself, like if I said Tony said this, that they will jump. You know, they will do it. And unfortunately, I lost my connection with him um, on Instagram because um, my, they, my account got closed. So, I mean, I still have his PAs and stuff. and you know, now on Instagram, you have the other box. So like it's it's I'm I'm hoping to get my connection back with him again. But anyways, that's what that's what really pushed me into Beyond Freedom, and then what pushed me into the O factors as well because this was my third maybe UPW I went to, and something within me said, you know, I experienced a lot of pain, but also have a lot of training in things that I could really create a product, create a system, a process to help people. And so then that's how the O-Factors came on the last night of Tony Robbins UPW in San Jose. I was supposed to be here at this one, but that one got canceled because of Corona. Um, uh, Yeah, two years ago. And so from there, I just started compiling everything I'd ever learned, all my trainings in yoga, my nutrition, what I learned become a Reiki master, I had learned. Um, I created something called Dance OM, which is dance movement therapy. It's a modality I created that kind of mixes yoga, tantra, dance, kind and of like striptease. Something. Yeah.
4: You said um, you became a a Reiki master. Uh huh. Am I pronouncing that right? Reiki. Yeah. Uh huh. Before um, earlier when we started, you 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 said that you were sending me some Reiki. What is? That? Yeah.
5: So Reiki is just a form of energy healing. So it's like um like a blessing or a prayer if you grew up in traditional church. Um so um, for instance, you know, you 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 pray for so you lay hand I don't know what kind of church if you went to any, but you know, you lay hands, you pray for someone and you know, God's energy, the spirit of God, light, white, whatever blows through you and people are healed. It's it's the same kind of thing, except Reiki um, is just a way to really harness that energy within you. You don't have to be a pastor, you can be a person, because we're all made of energy. You think of it, right? Really if you, awesome. you know, yeah, if you close your eyes and rub your hands together for 30 seconds, and then you pull your hands apart slowly, you'll, you'll feel energy because that's you. So Reiki just teaches you to harness that energy through the use of different symbols um, and to, to do things, to heal people. So, yeah, it was just it was it was a concept of me taking all these really kind of crazy, esoteric, spiritual things and turning them into something that's a little more palatable for people. So I don't ever say like, oh, if you work with me, you're going to reach enlightenment because most people are like, who cares? Like, I just want to have the energy to get through the day and be able to make love to my wife. Like, you know, that's like, you know what I'm saying? So my goal is like, can I create a system, a product, a brand that you know reaches out to the entrepreneur, the coach, the boss man, the boss babe. You know, these are my target markets, and show them these techniques, these ancient techniques that can be used in your everyday life to really get you further, faster, deeper, quicker, and to really give you um, the outstanding orgasmic life. That's the O factors. So, and that's what I've been working so hard on and it was all because of Tony's work that I got to the, that place got to that place of doing the nonprofit but also for me is more important than the nonprofit is the for profit because if I'm successful in my business if I can create you know a million dollar company you know from what I created then it shows that other survivors can do it too
0: absolutely yeah you lead by example but, yeah. basically
5: yeah, I am literally the prototype. Like, so it's a lot of pressure. <laughs> because you don't ever hear survivors that go on to become billionaires or to become extremely successful in their field. Sometimes they marry into it. I've heard of that. Some of the survivor leaders I know, they marry, and their husband helps them. I think that's great. I'm happy for them. But you never hear of survivors really paving this way, becoming an entrepreneur and doing this on their own. And that is my goal, to be the first, if one of the first, to, to do it and to pave the way for others.
4: Is that something that you talk about in your um, book that you're,
5: you're, you wrote? Yes. Yes. It's called The Eight Faces of Freedom. It's not an autobiography. It's not a memoir. That, that, that will come. I really wanted to show, share what I had done in a matter of two years from doing Tony's work and how it dramatically changed my life, my son's life, and all the women that I work with now, their lives too. I didn't wait to have a million dollars in the nonprofit. I just said, I can do shit now. The time is now. And that's what people wait. Oh, when I do this nonprofit? Oh, how hard is it to set up a Zoom call and to coach girls in all the modalities I am and to connect them with other healers across the world to help them, you know heal their trauma so they can reintegrate back into survivor into life and to go from survivors to thriving it's not uh-huh. that hard you don't need a board for that you know like you can you do really it
4: gotta go after it it's, you just do it we just spoke to somebody um last week while yeah. our, our interview and i was i was just telling uh him he was danny
0: i was thinking the board. same exact thing the five yeah. second rule <laughs>
4: Sixteen-year-old <laughs> entrepreneur, and I was literally telling him um, yeah. that he he has to adopt this five-second rule. Mm-hmm. Did you ever hear the five-second rule?
5: Yeah, I love it. It actually helps me a lot.
4: Right. I was I was telling him that he I was te- he's he's sixteen entrepreneur. Everybody he has he's a founder of a company. He has a, a, a magazine out that he's working on with his brother. And I told him that I learned that skill. I'm twenty six. I learned I recently re- learned that skill a couple of years ago. So I gave it to him so that he could implement it now while he's 16 and hopefully
5: it'll take. Oh you. my God. He's going to be, he's like my son. My son's already like doing Reiki. And he's, I'm setting up his YouTube channel. Like, there's the kids now. They just come into the world and they're like, Oh, okay. I get it. Yeah. Like, I asked <laughs> yeah. my son something yeah. the other day and it it changed me because kids will change you so much. Like I've had my finest moments with my son and my least proudest moments with my son because Everything you think you know, you don't know until you're raised. You're, like, responsible for a human being. Like, yeah. is they make up naked in life or say they fuck up? You know, <laughs> like that. And it's, like, it's because of you. <laughs> so yeah. it's, like, a lot of pressure. But I asked him the other day. I said, tell me what it's like to be four, hon. I said, I don't remember. I said, in most of Mommy's life when I was four, it, it wasn't very – he knows. He understands my son. I said, "It wasn't. it wasn't good. It wasn't happy. I said, tell me what it's like. I want to know. And he said, Mom, he said, it's a beautiful life. <laughs> it <makes me> <laughs> when I think about it. That's funny. Because yeah, that's it's, beautiful. So, it's so simplistic, right? But we lost that. You know, unfortunately for me, that got robbed from me. I didn't have right. that. But when I see it in my son, I'm like, it is a beautiful life. And if we can have some of that in our life every day, and that's what I do in the O-factors. I teach people to harness their sexual energy, to shake the shame of sex, of sexuality, of what they've been told to about sex, how they've been lied, how they've been indoctrinated, how they've had to take dogma on them that they didn't agree with, how they've been shamed about it. And I help them shake that and really step into a place of empowerment, connection, intimacy, spirituality, love, prosperity. That's like nothing imaginable, like a drug. That you don't have to take or harm your body, and that's the beauty that I want to bring to the world.
0: And that's really amazing, especially coming from everything that you came from, and and right. overcoming that whole victim mentality, and and just basically taking the strides through everything, and then on top of it, not just getting out, but um, yes. leading by example and taking that approach yeah. and trying to help others. It really, I'm really is growing
4: like, from it. building yourself up from it
0: that's 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 amazing yeah yeah you're a thing you're a thing of legends hon you really are
5: (laughs) you guys are awesome i'm gonna hang out with y'all more
0: often uh yeah i mean we we like to stay in touch with all of our guests so we'll i mean we'll definitely be in contact um after this awesome um so awesome before we do start to wrap it up here is there anything that we didn't talk about that you want to talk about Anything you want to discuss, we didn't bring up, or if you have a question for us, because sometimes that happens, um, we can talk about it. (laughs) Yeah,
5: maybe a little bit of both. Yes, absolutely. I think I wanted to just touch on real briefly, I didn't really say a ton of what Beyond Freedom does, but we work um, with holistically rehabilitating and reintegrating victims of human trafficking back into the community, so we can really help them to get out of that victim stage and really move past the survivor into a thriving state. So we do that through Holistic Means. So my background really came into play where I wanted to create comprehensive um, therapy programs that could be accessed online all over the world. So we do it through every kind of healing modality you could think of. And um, I think it's really cool because we're like the only nonprofit that's doing that. And I'm actually working on creating this whole program that we can actually package and sell to large large nonprofits like a whole holistic rehabilitation program like here it is (laughs) like it was everything so online so that's kind of what we're doing um and um it's a lot of work but (laughs) just one one day at a time and then yeah like i would love you know to offer your viewers um you know uh, you know a free call with me um if they're interested in, in my programs i would love to, to offer that to them just because you know they listen to your podcast so yeah and i i'm just curious what what is your podcast exactly and like how did you guys get started and what's your target market because herman he just said here get on this i'm like okay like he, if so, he says it's good and herman is saint, by the way he hosted yeah uh, three or four events for Beyond Freedom. He is the only person who would ever done that still. So let's, let's go
0: ahead and give a shout-out to Erman. Erman yeah. was on the show recently. Uh, if any, anybody listening can go back, if you haven't already, and listen to the Erman Barati uh, interview, which was actually really awesome. So shout-out to Erman yeah. for bringing us, Janelle. Erman. And it's funny that you <laughs> kind of ask us what the topic of our podcast is because it's kind of almost a question that we like to end the show with that we ask our guests. But to kind of answer your question, um, yeah. basically like we don't really have a niche. We started off with basically just having a conversation between the four of us weekly topics every week. And well, we do kind of have a niche. We kind of do. It, it's it's very much it like fun. life topics and cultural type stuff and like social okay. type stuff. But um, then okay. we, start, we started booking more and more interviews and we've done, I think you're the eighth interview in a row that we've done. Yeah. Um, so far wow. over like the past month and a half. Yeah,
4: we have a lot more after, so we're picking up
0: steam. <laughs> I'm yeah, sure you do. We're booked. <laughs> we're booked up until May right now. Um, go ahead, Dan. Yay! <laughs> no,
4: I, I was gonna say, um, we we do have uh, we do have a message that we like yeah. to, to to send out, and so basically, I would like to answer your question with another question. There you go. Okay. When you hear "life is not a box of chocolates," what do you? What does that mean to you?
5: Oh, that's a great question. Well, I love chocolates, so <laughs> <laughs> let's dive in and eat some. Um, life is not a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. You know, I think for me, how what that means to me is, man, this is deep. My life. <laughs> Was not not pleasant. It, it was not what I would wish on anyone. What I've experienced, however, <clears throat> the beauty that has come out of my life and how I have birthed my son and how I have saved so many young girls' lives already with no money, no like nobody knows who Beyond Freedom is or anything. And the people that I've been able to help in my business uh, is, it it was worth it. It was worth it to have that unexpected, you know, um, chocolate that you eat. And you're like, I don't like that one. And you put it back. It was worth it because it has created a movement of healing and of connection and of intimacy and of bliss and of the greatest love I've ever experienced in my life, my son. So to me, I would... Oh, man, this is hard. I would I would do every day again because I know what the outcome would be in the end. And it was worth it. So this is
4: where um, <laughs> it gets interesting guest to guess. So basically, um, the the actual saying is life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. If you have it so far so Oh, cut it. Cut it. Okay. Our name is life is not a box of chocolates because you know exactly <laughs> what you're going to get. So basically, well, what that means is, obviously, if you're, if you get dealt a hand, you get dealt a hand. So in your case, you were dealt a hand that you yeah did not want, yeah. But what you did to to get out of it, right? The changes that you made, right? The 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 way that you empowered yourself to strive forward is it comes from the input of work that you. You put into your life in order to receive this output of happiness, or at least yes. striving for happiness. Absolutely. So the way that we like to look at it is, life is pretty much like momentum. If you mm-hmm. want to get something done, if you want to you change anything in your life, mm-hmm. if you want to keep going, if you want to improve, you got you have to you have to put the work in in order to do it for yourself because nobody else is going to do it for you.
5: That's absolutely. That is absolutely it. That's absolutely it. I I couldn't agree with you more. So now
0: couldn't before we anymore. do start to wrap up, Janelle, um, do you want to plug plug away again uh, the Beyond yeah, Freedom website, yeah, social I, medias, all that?
5: Absolutely. Thank you for the for the opportunity. Um. Yes. Yeah, so the O factors com it's just the o and then factorscom and if you on the main page straight away you'll see uh, seven O's to lasting connection and intimacy course you have to take it I have some amazing speakers on there um, and it is just a program that it changed my life and it got me to love again and it got me to experience connection and intimacy my first relationship. And I know it'll do the same for you. And then um, also my YouTube. If you like to live life on the edge and you like to laugh and you like to learn about all things sex, relationship, intimacy, and really hacks to have a better sex life, to have more connection, to experience more pleasure, then you have to follow my YouTube channel. It's just Janelle Gordon. And then my Instagram is full of fun content as well. It's I am Janelle Gordon. So those would be my plugs. And, um, yeah, that uh, my book will be coming out April 30th, The Eight Faces of Freedom. And I'm hoping to send it to Tony's team, hoping he'll write a little something for me. So,
0: nice,
5: yeah, that's that's the plan.
0: And like I said, we like to stay in contact with our guests. So if there's anything that you want us to promote or push for you when we're done here, uh, send us a message on Instagram or in the email, and, and we'll be more than happy to help you out um
5: absolutely absolutely so
0: so we're gonna plug our stuff now but we don't want you to okay. go anywhere um we have an outro okay. a little exit that we do for each episode danny will take us through it uh we're just gonna plug okay. our stuff first but stick around so Perfect. rob you wanna all right thank you
3: over? all right i thought uh peculiar people but Instagram, i'll take that Instagram. Oh, all right. I'll leave it to peculiar people. Yes, I'll start off by just saying... We end,
4: we end off with the best in the show, Rob. Yeah, yeah, all right,
3: all right. Stay on the other side of the phone. All right. Uh, so, um, this is The God King signing off, a.k.a. The God King, Voice of Gods, a.k.a. Larry Tate.
0: <laughs> and I'm Ronnie. You could follow me on Instagram at Ronnie underscore media.
1: It's Anthony Vega. You can follow me at Anthony M. Vega on Instagram. Mm-hmm.
4: Instagram list Danny Yams, uh, back at it again. You can follow the podcast at Box Chalk Pod at B O X C H O C P O D. This is peculiar P signing off, aka Larry Tank. <laughs> Janelle, you still in us?
5: Yes, I'm still here.
4: <laughs> okay, so what the what we like to do is just a little, uh, just a little sign off that you we let like, we like, like the guests to participate with. Sorry, I can't speak. Okay. What else is new? So what you're going to (laughs) do is raise your uh, left arm and put it in a 90-degree angle to where your hand is about a foot away from the center of your chest. Okay. Arms facing down. Got it. Next, you're going to take your right hand and gently place it over your left hand. Okay. Okay, so this final step is the most important. You're going to lightly tap on the back of your hand. Okay. This is what's called a golf clap.
5: Okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. All right. So,
4: on the count of three, three, two, one, that's a wrap on Janelle Gordon.
5: Sending some Reiki your way. To commence the ball class.
0: Thank you, Janelle. Thanks for coming on. Thank you, Janelle. It was a Thank pleasure. Thank you so much.
5: Thanks Remember much. to live an orgasmic life. <laughs> oh, yes, my I God. Like yes. <laughs> yeah,
0: you're
2: going to have to teach us.
5: <laughs> Absolutely. You guys are a blast. Thank you for having me. Thank you. All right. Bye. Bye. Take Bye. Care. Bye.